0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Well, good afternoon, everyone. Appreciate you joining me today, and <clears throat> uh, hope you'll encourage your friends and family to do the same. Uh, we have a lot we'd like to talk about on, on this show, and we talk about the Constitution, and we talk about uh, conservative political politics, and we talk about supporting. People like our police departments around the country. And David, who is, the, uh, who is the owner of America's Web Radio and the producer of this show, is actually on with me for the beginning today to, to talk about an idea he's got to support the police. Because, you know, we're having the riots in St. Louis uh, over a policeman who was found not guilty of murdering a black drug dealer. And, of course, the news media is not going to tell you this guy was a drug dealer. According to them, he was just some innocent black who just happened to be in a car and was trying to escape the police uh, who were trying to kill him. And then, of course, we had the situation in uh, Georgia Tech. And I sat there, and, and, you know, I'm familiar with police procedures. And I was in the military, and I was taught how to use a weapon and when to use a weapon. And what you had there was a, uh, somebody who was head of a great gay pride group Although he said he wasn't really gay, he didn't know what he was, he didn't know if he was transgender or gay or what. But he already tried to commit suicide at one point. And so you have this college student who, if you look at the tape, is trying to commit suicide by cop and succeeds. And the police are being blamed for it. Uh, the students are rioting as usual, setting fire to police cars, uh, doing their usual thing, and you know, going out and destroying property. But if you look at the tape, this kid was obviously carrying something that was actually a knife but could have been viewed as a possible weapon, a firearm. And he himself had called 911 to report a person on the campus who was drunk and acting erratically and carrying a firearm. So he'd set himself up to be killed, and when the police got there, They tried to talk him down, they tried to get him to stop, and he wouldn't do it. So he went towards one of the policemen, and they shot him. And last night on Fox News, one of the commentators, I think it was Martha McCollum, was saying, well, why didn't they just shoot him in the leg? Guess what, it's not that easy to shoot somebody in the leg that's moving forward towards you. You are not trained, police officers aren't trained for that. They are trained to fire towards the middle of the body, to bring the person down. And there are several reasons you don't try to shoot somebody in the leg. Number one, you're liable to miss them. But number two, even if you don't miss them or if you hit them, the bullet is probably going to ricochet off of the concrete behind them and could hit an innocent bystander or another police officer. So this guy committed suicide by cop, and of course the police are being blamed for it. And David has an idea for doing something that would really help our police, I think. So, Dave, you want to talk about it?
2: Sure. Um, You know, this comes from, uh, I've been very fortunate over many, many years to uh, uh, know some policemen. Uh, When I was an EMT, uh, obviously the cops were always around whenever we were called to do something, an ambulance was called. And I got to know some then, and uh, I've been fortunate uh, living in Atlanta that I've known a couple in in the Sandy Springs area and and gotten to be friends with them. And I I haven't done this in many, many years, but as things have progressed recently in in St. Louis and Georgia Tech and so forth and so on, I I got to thinking about the old saying, um, you can't understand someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes. And... I got to thinking about that and you know these um, the particularly your your good buddy uh, Shep Smith and some of the other gays that are that proclaim that they're newsmen newscasters that criticize and throw rocks at at the police and then certainly give a uh, less and favorable side of the story from a, a cop standpoint um, and, and it winds up that they blame them. So I came up with this idea. I, you know, I think it should be mandatory that everyone should have to ride with their local police policeman on the 11 to 7 shift, uh, 11 at night to 7 in the morning, and see what a cop goes through. You know, there are bad apples in every bunch of anything, but I must say the cops that I've known, they're, they're, I haven't gotten along with all of them, but... For the most part, they are genuine and they're nice guys, and they are not out to shoot anybody. They don't They don't go into work and say, gee, I hope I get to shoot my gun today or I get to turn on my lights or whatever and whatever. And most cops will tell you the first thing that they hate to get at any hour of the day or night is a domestic uh, trouble call uh, because they don't know whether the wife is going to stab them or the husband's going to stab them, but they hate domestic calls uh, but you know we've got to give in my opinion the cops the benefit of the doubt they make literally split second decisions all the time now you know personally I don't want to walk up at two o'clock in the morning to a car that has dark wind windshields or windows and find out why the guy was speeding I'm not too eager to crawl into a a dark warehouse to find out why the burglar alarm's going off. These guys, every day, they put on their coat, they put on their tie, they put on their utility belt, and they go to work to protect you and me. And for anybody to be critical of them, is just beyond me. They should we were talking about drugs uh, on uh, Dr. Blank's show yesterday and I was thinking about the few different times that I'd ridden with a cop, few times that I had and they went to a you know a, a, a fight, not a domestic quarrel, but a fight between two guys and uh, one of the guys was drunk and and you know literally threw up all over the cop. And I'm thinking I wouldn't put up with that. You know, I just, it's not in me. And and we should have so much respect for our cops and for our fire department and our EMTs that go into harm's way to protect us, particularly the cops, particularly the fact that um, most, in most cases they're very well trained, and like I said, they have to make split-second decisions, which are life or death, And the people criticizing them, I will listen to them after they have ridden with a cop for two or three rides, 11 to 7 shift. So I've started this little one-man band campaign that uh, ride with a cop. And most police departments, you sign a waiver and they'll let you ride a shift with a cop. Um, and And they take, you know, what's interesting too, they take very good care of you while they're riding with them. And they'll tell you when to get out of the car or don't get out of the car, stay in the car or stay in the car until we get back up here or whatever the situation might be. But I think if there's anything in this world that should be mandatory, it should be everybody at some age, 21 and older, should ride with a, a cop in their local police department. So that's my spell. <laughs>
1: Well, how how are you going to publicize this? Are you going to set up an organization or a website where people can come find out, for example, how to contact their local police departments to set something like this up?
2: Uh, it's pretty hard. You walk in the door, you know. <laughs> <It's>, really? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I, I mean, in most uh, most police departments, or I say most, any that I've ever been affiliated, associated with or known or done this with, uh, literally, you'll walk in the door and say, Hi, I'm so-and-so, um, here's my driver's license, and uh, I'd like to, to ride a shift with a, uh, a policeman and find out what they go through. Uh, most, In most cases, well, like I said, I've never known a police department to turn you down. You do have to sign a waiver that if something happens, you're not going to hold a, the, the police department liable in any way, but... Um, That's the chance you have to take, but I I, if if you're living in Sandy Springs or in Atlanta, Georgia, I know in Sandy Springs you can walk right into the police department and and uh, tell them what you'd like to do, and it may take a day or two, and then they, not all cops want somebody riding with them, so they'll find somebody that doesn't mind and uh, go from there.
1: Well, I think it's a great idea, and I think. uh, All of my listeners out there ought to consider doing it themselves and encouraging uh, people in their their circle of friends and family to do it. And once you've done it, I would also encourage you to tell people about your experience. And uh, that, I think, will help a lot in, in turning off the idea that cops are brutal, that they're out there to hurt people. Because my youngest son, who is a Black Hawk helicopter pilot now in the Army, started out as an mp and after desert storm he was called active duty twice his unit was uh, to work at fort polk and one then another time they were on active duty uh, guarding the prisoners in gitmo but he had some interesting stories to tell from from being an mp and uh even in the military he didn't always get the respect he deserved uh because you know cops are looked down on even in the military by some people so I think it's a great idea, Dave, and uh, I'll try to encourage my listeners to, to get involved.
2: Well, you know, we we we're very easily judgmental, and certainly with our liberal media, uh, I don't think we necessarily get the full side of the story. As was proven uh, with us uh, with all that junk about uh, hands up, don't shoot. Well, that was all bull, and I just think. I think the individual that hasn't ever ridden with a cop will find that it's a it's very enlightening, and the training that they have, and and it takes a certain mentality to do it. I you know I I don't have it, but they put up with a lot. They put up with a lot of grief. They don't react immediately like all people think they do. They act react immediately if the if the situation calls for it. Obviously. But they, they are continually making split-second decisions, and we should respect them for that. And, um, you know, the, the other thing that I get, Michael, out of all of this is uh, when you're looking at the news or whatever, they're there after the fact. Seldom are they there during the fact. And how they make their judgments, uh, sometimes, in my, in my opinion, it's beyond me. So, yeah, ride
1: with the cop. Sounds great, Dave. And uh, like I said, people need to, to think about it. I'll tell you a quick story. that uh, <clears throat> Baton Rouge, where I went to school and practiced law for many years, my oldest daughter lives there. If you'll recall, uh, over a year ago, they had an incident where the police shot a so-called unarmed black man who was not really unarmed. And Black Lives Matter came in, and they had riots, and they had assaults on the police, and then... They ended up with three policemen being killed in an ambush by an individual. And then they had the major flooding come in. Well, after the flooding was over, Black Lives Matter showed up again when the police uh, were found by the federal government not to have committed or done anything wrong. And the black pastors in the area, and, and the 50% of the population in Baton Rouge is black, told Black Lives Matter, get out of here. These people who you were trying to to complain are bad people. They were out rescuing us during the floods. And where was Black Lives Matter? You were nowhere to be found. So that's just one one example. Anyway, let's go ahead and take our first break now.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
3: Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Well, I appreciate Dave coming on and talking about that situation, and uh, I totally agree with him. I think it's something that ought to be done, and uh, I know I did it years ago and uh, with police in, in Baton Rouge and always took my scouts to visit the sheriff's office and, and not necessarily do ride-alongs, but to to learn about how the police worked and and how they are an important part of protecting our society. And uh, well, speaking of which, you know, I talked about the, the flooding in Baton Rouge and who came to help. I uh, saw an interesting article the other day that uh, I had thought about some of it, but it hadn't really put, put together in my head like this person did. But basically they talked about the massive damage that was done by Hurricane Harvey in south Texas and southwest Louisiana. And then the massive damage that was done to Florida and the Virgin Islands and to Puerto Rico by Hurricane Irma and also into South Carolina and and Georgia. And then we had the, right now we have the ongoing Hurricane Maria, which has really devastated the Virgin Islands, I understand, even worse than before. And Puerto Rico is is 100% without power. And uh, the hurricane's still sitting on top of them, so they haven't even been able to really assess the damage yet uh, to the island. But as this writer pointed out, think about who came to help in Harvey and who's come to help after Irma. And who will probably be coming to to help after the uh, Hurricane Maria gets through because it's probably going to be also cause some problems on the East Coast, and we have Hurricane Jose, it's not a tropical storm, causing problems too. But this writer said, did you hear anything about the Antifa Navy coming in? You saw the Cajun Navy in Houston and the surrounding areas. These were Louisiana people who had helped during the Baton Rouge floods, and basically they brought their own vehicles at their own expense and pulled their own boats and went out and rescued people. They risked a lives doing so. Antifa wasn't there. Where was Black Lives Matter? Were they there trying to rescue people? Did they raise any money? No. As a matter of fact, the Hollywood elites who had the big fundraiser, I supposedly raised $40 million. Some of them were on there on the phone. George Clooney, who was a multimillionaire, was there on the phone. How much money did he donate personally? Nothing. How much money has the Clinton Foundation donated? Nothing. How much money have the Obamas donated personally or the Clintons? Nothing. But it has come out, and this is a breaking story, and I'm going to be watching it very carefully and uh, talking about it on radio and on Twitter, and uh, I'm about to try to get back to doing blog articles again, uh, we still today have people out here working on our property. And, you know, the tornado that hit us and did so much damage, the F5 tornado, that, that occurred on April 29th. And here we are almost the end of September. And we are still not put entirely back together yet. We still have work being done on our property. So I have been dealing with that and dealing with working almost daily uh, on the property and around the house. It haven't been able to do, I think, but one blog article the whole time. But I'm going to try to get back to doing my blog articles. I've been trying to, to keep some income coming in uh, by doing some writing for another a conservative website, uh, which is Liberty News Daily. And basically, I don't do bylines there. I just summarize news articles and uh, post anywhere from 8 to 10 to 12 a day. So that brings in a little bit of income, and you, you want to go Liberty News Daily, you can check out and see what kind of coverage we give, because we give a lot of coverage to a lot of important subjects. But uh, I want to be writing on my blog and on Twitter all about something that's just been discovered today, and at least I've just heard about it today. And... Uh, appears to be something, something that needs an ongoing investigation. It seems that Hillary Clinton, of course, blames everybody else for her loss. And like David mentioned, when he and I were talking before the show started, he's surprised that she hadn't blamed he and I yet for the loss. I'm sure she'll get around to us. But she's blamed everybody for the loss. And she continues to try to raise money for the Clinton Foundation. Nobody knows where that money goes. Probably most of it goes into Hillary Clinton and Chelsea's pocket and Bill's pocket. She continues to try to raise money for other groups and form other groups. And she has formed a political action committee. And guess who this political action committee is apparently giving money to? Not to hurricane victims. Not even to Democrat candidates. To Antifa is funding a violent group of criminals and thugs who go out and beat up on people that don't agree with them. And they're being supported by many of the national news media. They're not being condemned by most Democrats or most liberals. In fact, they're being defended. One news commentator, liberal news commentator, said the other day that, and this was MSNBC, said that Antifa was on the side of the angels. They show up wearing black, wearing masks, wearing hoods. They have baseball bats or chains, and they have shields that say, stop hate. And then they use those shields to beat up on anybody who doesn't agree with them. They don't have to be people who actually hate or haters like the Ku Klux Klan or Nazis. They just happen to be people like on the campuses of Berkeley who are there for a support Trump rally or there to hear a conservative speaker. And this is something that's really terrifying. A poll was done of undergraduates in colleges around this country and 19% of them think it's okay to use violence to stop somebody from speaking that they disagree with. And Berkeley is having a free speech week and next week, and they're going to have a total of 24 conservative speakers come in over the course of four days. And college professors, the majority of the professors at Berkeley, are calling for the campus to be closed for that event all classes to be canceled, all buildings to be closed, which, of course, means the speakers will have no place to speak except out in the open. And they want safe rooms set up, and they want counselors available for people who might suffer mental or physical trauma from having to know that there is somebody on the campus who is not for gun control, is not for abortion, is not for wiping out free speech, And this is going to traumatize these poor snowflakes on the campus, according to these professors. And we have Hillary Clinton out there funding them. And we have George Soros, we know, funding him. Now, for those of you that don't know about George Soros, this guy is a multi-billionaire. And he made the money. He's made a lot of money over the years investing. He's also committed a lot of fraud. He's still under indictment in countries like Herc. Hungary, and uh, I wish that Donald Trump would go ahead and honor that indictment and deport the son of a bitch, excuse my language, uh, back to Hungary or Poland or wherever it is he's under indictment, it's more than one country. But George Soros, while he's Jewish, allegedly, made the beginning of his fortune during World War II, and he did that by turning over his Jewish friends in some cases I understand, family members, to the Nazis. And these were rich people, and he told the Nazis where their assets were, and for him doing that, he was given a percentage of what the Nazis stole. And this created his fortune. And he has been asked about this not long ago, and is totally fine with it. He says he has no regrets. He would do it again. And what happened to the people he turned in? Well, most of them went to the camps and were executed. And this guy thinks that's great. So we're dealing with a Nazi who is the darling of the liberals of this country and one of the biggest benefactors who finances group like, groups like Antifa and finances riots and finances demonstrations that turn violent and finances all types of far-left-wing causes. And the guy is basically a Nazi. You know, Antifa says they're anti-fascist. Well, hey, folks, the Nazis were the ultimate fascist. And you're acting like Nazis. So don't come to me and say, you know, we are fighting for what's right, and we're fighting to protect free speech, we're fighting to protect... Uh, the feelings of Americans. No, you're not. You're fighting for communism. You're fighting for Nazism. You're fighting for whatever allows you to be in control and tell other people what they can say, what they can think, what they can do, and what they believe. And I've got no use for these people. Uh, if you're an Antifa member, you don't want to get too close to me because I may be an, an old guy, but I'm still... a a veteran, Army veteran, and I will still take you on and love every minute of it, and I still think I could probably whip your butts, because you're cowards, and I'm not. So that's who we got out there supporting Antifa. We got George Soros, we got the Clintons, and they are all involved in supporting violent groups that want to shut down this country. Let's talk now about the Donald Trump speech yesterday to the United Nations. I thought it was terrific. I thought it was probably the best speech that he's made either before or after being elected president. It was tough and it needed to be tough. We're dealing with a dictator in North Korea who is in some ways unstable but he's also crazy like a fox. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he doesn't care how it destroys the people of his country. Just like Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela doesn't care that he has destroyed a very prosperous democracy down there and turned an economy into junk and people are starving to death in the streets. But he and his group of supporters and his family are all living quite well on the income that comes in to Venezuela through oil. Trump came down on these people. He came down on the Iranians. And let's take our second break down.
4: Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com.
0: This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at
3: 2. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: So Trump came down hard on our enemies yesterday at the United Nations. And his speech has received a lot of praise, except, of course, from the far left and the Democrats. Uh, the Democrats have gotten hysterical, uh, saying how dare Trump threaten the North Koreans or threaten the Iranians or threaten Venezuela. How dare he do something like that? Uh, his, his blustering, according to Diane Feinstein, uh, could lead us to war. Well, guess what, people? For all intents and purposes, we're in a war. We have a rogue regime in North Korea that has been told it cannot have nuclear weapons, but it's developing nuclear weapons. It has them now. We know that. It's developing missiles that can reach the United States, can reach Guam, can reach Japan. They're already firing them over Japan, can reach South Korea. And we have a man there, Kim Jong-un who is perfectly capable of going to war to do what he thinks needs to be done to protect himself and his regime. And he's so erratic, and I believe so unstable, that while he's very clever, he might push the button just one day because he feels like it. So we're having to deal with this, and Trump is having to deal with this. And... We need to be behind our president. We don't need to be second-guessing our president and playing politics. But that's what the Democrats do. I mean, you have people out there who are going to criticize Donald Trump no matter what he does. I mean, the man gives a million dollars of his own money to help hurricane victims in this country. And he's criticized for only giving a million dollars? And who are the people that are criticizing him? People who have not given a penny themselves, like the Clintons. They're criticizing Trump for not giving enough. None of them are down there trying to raise money for hurricane victims. They're too busy trying to raise money for themselves. So Trump has done what he needed to do. And he needs to stand up to these people. And we, frankly, as Americans, need to be prepared for the possibility that I think it may get to the point in the next year or two, it may even sooner, unfortunately, that we are going to have to strike back, maybe do a preemptive strike against North Korea to try to knock out their nuclear capabilities. And if we are going to do it, it's going to have to be quick, it's going to have to be overwhelming, and we're going to have to take out the regime, take out their military, and a lot of people are going to die, but there'll be a lot less people that will die if we all of a sudden have North Korean nuclear weapons raining down on the United States or Japan or South Korea. And one of the things that, that I have mentioned before on the show that worries me the most, in fact, we've talked about it on the show several times with Kevin Freeman, who was an expert in the area, and that's getting attacked by North Koreans or somebody else with an EMP attack. Now, an EMP attack, and Kim Jong-un has mentioned this recently, saying he would like to do this to the United States. An EMP attack involves firing a nuclear weapon a missile containing a nuclear weapon, that doesn't have to be pinpointed to a particular city, doesn't have to come down and make impact, but is actually designed to explode well above the ground in the atmosphere. And it will generate an electromagnetic pulse that will essentially destroy the electric grid for hundreds of miles and destroy it not just knock it out for a day or two. I'm talking about destroy it so that it would have to be entirely rebuilt from ground up, which could take not just days and weeks and months, but years. During that period, nobody would have any power. You wouldn't be able to access money from your bank. The ATMs wouldn't be working. The bank computers would be down. The banks would have no way of knowing if you have money in that account or not and no way of giving you money. You won't be able to buy gasoline because gas pumps are going to be down. There'll be no electricity. But also, your cars probably aren't going to be working anyway, because anything that's made after about 1972 has a lot of components in it that will be subject to being disrupted by the electromagnetic pulse. So your car or truck may not be working at all, and you're not going to be able to get parts to replace them. Hospitals are going to be down there'll be virtually no medical care available. You won't be able to buy food or water. Water companies blew down because they operate on electricity. So you won't have access to clean water. You won't have access to food for very long because the stores aren't going to be able to get food delivered. If the trucks can't get gasoline and aren't running anyway, how are they going to deliver food? And in areas that were directly under the EMP attack, there's not going to be food production anyway because farmers are not going to be able to harvest their crops or deliver their crops for sale. We would end up sort of with a barter economy. And, you know, I talk about this exact thing in my new book, The Rag. And The Rag is a book about what would happen if we did suffer from an EMP attack and what would happen if we fell under a dictatorship, and how and how would the American people respond? And I talk about the barter economy, and I talk about the American people trying to fight back to take back their freedom. The liberals hate the book. the uh, The attacks on Amazon are have been horrific. They call me a gun nut and a super conservative, which is kind of stupid because. As far as I'm concerned, those are compliments. but they have attacked me repeatedly. Uh, Amazon has stopped offering the book, or any of my books for that matter, as e-books. They still offer them as paperbacks, Uh, so you can still buy it on Amazon, but you can also get a copy of my book, and I like for people to buy it through my website, because if you buy it through my website, I make about five times as much money as I make off of a sale on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And through my website, you can can order the book. And uh, my website is www. c o n n e l o y. dot com. And you can get my that book. You can get my book, a very popular book about my dad's unit during World War II, the Mortarman. And you can get my other books, and you can order a copy of My Constitution, the little book that I've done on the Constitution has become so popular around the country. So many people carry it with them in their uh, their pockets or their, their handbags, and they carry it and, and pull it out sometimes. And, you know, you have a friend out there who's saying something to you about the Constitution, and you know it's not true, like a friend who would say, well, the Constitution says that there has to be separation of church and so- state. No, it doesn't. In my book, so I point out that those words separation of church and state are not anywhere in the Constitution. And most people don't realize that, but it's not in the First Amendment, it's not anywhere in the body of the Constitution. But anyway, you can get my, my books and my booklet, and you can also get a copy of the RAG, which I think you will find very enlightening, a lot of people say very frightening, but it, it's almost tracking what's happening in this country right now, and it's tracking in a very scary manner. And if we get get to the point where we're even close to an EMP attack being launched by North Korea against the United States, now we have anti-missile systems, but they're not perfect. And most of them are designed for intermediate ballistic missiles, not intercontinental ballistic missiles, and that's what would probably be used to launch an EMP attack. Although one thing that's not talked about that much, and we need to remember, is that the North Koreans also have submarines. They're not nuclear submarines, and that just means they're not as fast as a nuclear submarine, but they're still capable of launching missiles, and they're still capable of launching missiles that don't have to travel that far because they would probably be close to the United States mainland when they're launched. And they're capable of carrying small nuclear warheads, the same type of warheads that could be used for EMP attacks. So it's not like we're sitting here in safe because we're so far away from North Korea. We have to think about the fact that if it gets close to where we believe Kim Jong un is going to launch an EMP attack or any other kind of attack, we're gonna to have to hit him first. We're gonna to have to go in with special ops, we're gonna to have to go in with our heavy bombers, we're gonna to to go in with our navy. And we're going to have to take him out. And the media reacted to Trump's speech yesterday when he talked about totally destroying North Korea if necessary, if they attack us. The media reaction was, oh, that's terrible. You shouldn't say things like that. In fact, Terry Moran on ABC, who was one of the really idiots, actually said, well, even threatening to do that kind of thing is a war crime. So let me get this straight, Kerry. It's not a war crime for North Korea to threaten to destroy the United States and our allies. It's not a war crime for them to build the weapons to do it. In your mind, apparently it wouldn't even be a war crime if they attacked us. But it would be a war crime if we responded and wiped out North Korea. That's the philosophy out there, folks. It's very scary. These people do not live in the real world. And they don't understand the real world. But that's what we might be having to deal with. But, you know, liberals are getting more bizarre with their comments all the time about Donald Trump and, and about everything that he says and does. And I found that uh, one of the most laughable comments yesterday really didn't involve trump directly or his speech or anything it involved nancy pelosi because remember the dreamers so-called dreamers which are actually illegal aliens I don't care how you label them who came out and disrupted nancy pelosi's press conference in san francisco the other day i mean they screamed at her and refused to allow her to speak she told them to shut up and they basically laughed at her and uh... new Democrat senator, the one who defeated Kelly, I, I, I live a, a lot, I couldn't pronounce her last name, defeated her in New Hampshire, her name is Jean Shaheen. She was asked yesterday on a television interview what she thought caused the Dreamers to turn on Nancy Pelosi. And she was really having trouble trying to answer it. She couldn't figure out a way to blame Trump. She certainly wanted to blame Nancy Pelosi for it. So finally, it like a, a light bulb went off on her head and then dimmed right away. And she came up with the pat answer of the Democrats. It was the Ruskies' fault. The Russians caused the Dreamers to turn on Nancy Pelosi. Let that sink in while we go to our final break.
3: Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Yeah, I hope during the break you let that sink in, that the Russians are now behind the dreamers turning on Nancy Pelosi. But that's, that's what the Democrats do. They don't make any sense. But here's something that does make some sense, and this is breaking news also. It appears that Donald Trump's tweets about being wiretapped by the Obama administration that were subject to all the mockery, mockery by uh, the liberal news media and even Fox News, And by the Democrats and by some members of the Republican Party, you know, he made it all up. It was untrue. And now all of a sudden, guess what? It may very well have been true. Because it turns out, and CNN has reported this, that Paul Manafort, who for quite some time at the beginning of the campaign uh, was the campaign manager for Donald Trump, and who actually lived in Trump Tower in New York at the time, was, in fact, wiretapped. And he was wiretapped under a FISA court order, which is the order that's under the Patriot Act that has to be obtained in order for there to be wiretapping of someone that supposedly is dealing with a foreign government or entity. And the idea is that they can listen in, and, of course, if they're... Their dealings are above board. They are not supposed to be unmasked. In other words, their names are not supposed to be released. At least, not the American citizens. But the fact of the matter is that it turns out that there was a FISA wiretap on Paul Manafort. We don't know yet if any of the conversations that were listened into involved Donald Trump, but they probably involved other members of the campaign. These were authorized and ordered by Loretta Lynch while she was Attorney General of the United States under Barack Obama, which means he had to order them. He had to order this done. James Clapper, who was Director of National Intelligence for Obama, was directly asked about this uh, several months ago and said, oh, absolutely not. He was Director of National Intelligence. He knew about any FISA wiretaps that were authorized or even asked for. And nobody in the Trump campaign had ever been wiretapped. He knew that for a fact. Well, now it turns out he lied. He flat out lied. Because there were two FISA award wiretaps, one several years ago. We're not sure that what that one's about on Paul Manafort. But then this one on Paul Manafort. So if there were those out there, how many more are they? Were there some directly on Donald Trump? It doesn't matter. The bottom line is, what he said was true. His campaign was being wiretapped by the Obama administration. Just another idea about what the administration did and what it was capable of doing. Now we have... The new vote on the repeal and replace of Obamacare. The Republicans have to do something. This is not a perfect piece of legislation. It's not what they promised. But they have to do something. And I'm very concerned that they're going to fail again. And if they do, the American people are going to continue to turn on them. Because they've been running for seven years on repeal and replace of Obamacare. And all of a sudden, you have senators like Collins and McCain, and now Rand Paul. And, you know, I I like Rand Paul. I like a lot of what he stands for, but he can be a purist when it comes to having his own way. And he likes to be the odd man out. He likes to throw monkey wrench into the Republican Party. And what he will do if he votes against this, because it's not what they promised, but it's better than nothing at all. If he votes against this, he's going to be doing severe damage to the Republican Party. And I hate to see that happen. Because if that happens, then any run he makes for president in the future will be totally wasted because there's people out there that are not going to vote for him. And I wouldn't mind seeing him run for president again. So he has to think about that as well as, you know, when he comes to how he's going to vote. So we got all that coming up, and again, I'm going to be writing a lot of this stuff on uh, Liberty Net Daily website, and also I'm going to be getting back to writing for my blog at www.michaelconnolly.jigsy.com, and that's where also you can buy my books. And one of the important, most important things right now is I'm looking for sponsors for this show because. For years, the show was sponsored by the United States Justice Foundation while I was their executive director, and then my term ran out, and I did not want to continue on as executive director because I had only taken it for a short period of time so I could do it from Texas because I had no intention of moving to the People's Republic of California where the USDA was headquartered. Well, part of my contract with them was that they would sponsor the show. And, of course, that contract ended when... uh, I no longer desire to return as executive director. So I need some sponsors. And the show has got a good listening audience. It's going to get better. Uh, David Moxley is working on several things uh, to increase our, our listing audience. And the show was also picked up by some other stations around the country. And uh, I think there's more opportunities for that. But if you're interested in sponsoring, please contact America's Web Radio and get the information from David about the demographics and the cost of sponsorship. Or you can contact me at uh, www. or just go to my, my email me at mrobertc at hotmail. com. at hotmail. and I can send you some information. And you don't have to do it alone. We're trying to find more than one sponsor for the show. And uh, so if you can get involved in sponsoring, I would appreciate it. I'd also be very appreciative if you would donate to my blog and website. Again, we got hit pretty hard by that tornado. We ended up with over $100,000 worth of damage. And insurance covered a lot of it, but not all of it we have had a lot of -of out-of-pocket expenses, and the big deal was my income, (laughs) Excuse because I was not able to continue writing on my blog. My book sales have fallen off badly because I haven't had time to to publicize the books. I haven't been able to go out and make speeches like I was doing uh, to rotary clubs, line clubs, and tea party groups. I just haven't haven't been able to do it, and uh, that's where I sold a lot of books, so if you can go to my blog and, and donate through the website, even a few dollars would be helpful. Or if you could buy a copy of my book or two, and you know we're not that far from Christmas time, and I think my books <clears throat> would make good Christmas gifts. And my little book on the Constitution, <coughs> excuse me, my little book on the Constitution makes great stocking stuffers, particularly if you have students high school or junior high students in your family Uh, you can put those in their stockings and and encourage them to read them because what I do is I take every article every section, every amendment to the Constitution and I put them down as originally written and I'm going to put my comments about what they actually mean and there's a lot of information in there that people don't realize people don't know about they don't know for example I mentioned earlier about the phrase separation of church and state not being in there they don't know that much about the powers of the president and the powers of Congress the things that Congress can and cannot do the things that the president can and cannot do for example a lot of what Obama did his executive orders on things like immigration were unconstitutional on their face, because under the Constitution, only the Congress has the right to control immigration and naturalization laws. The President, under Article Two of the Constitution, is told he has to enforce those laws. It doesn't say that the President can refuse to enforce the laws passed by Congress or amend those laws or on his own or write new laws on his own. And I'm afraid our our children out there don't realize that. They're not being taught about the Constitution, they're not being taught about how our government actually works, and they're certainly not being taught about the history of this country. We have to understand that, that what's happening out there right now, this effort to destroy our history, to rewrite our history, is ultimately an effort aimed at destroying the Constitution because what they're going to be coming up with next is, well, all the people that wrote the Constitution or were racist, and therefore the Constitution has to be discarded, and there has to be another document that more represents equality in this country. In other words, socialism or communism. <clears throat> That's what they're, they're pushing for. That's what our students are getting fed. That's why it's important our students know the truth and understand how this country was actually founded. I mean, let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, Robert E. Lee did not believe in slavery, did not believe in secession, opposed both. Yet he was loyal to his state, so when he was offered the command of the Union Army by Abraham Lincoln, he turned it down and ultimately became the commander of the Union, of the Confederate Army. And now his statutes are being removed because, according to the left, he supported slavery and supported succession, when neither is true. And that's what we're getting right now in our schools, is not the truth, but a revision of history to try to change our country. Thank you for having me on. I look forward to meeting you again next week.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.